Hello dreamers and thinkers and welcome back to another episode of Undone. This is episode 7 which means 7 weeks of consistent content. Yay us. Um, I just want to say thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, thank you for all your kind words, thank you for your suggestions. I appreciate it. If you ever want to send any of the uh, aforementioned um the instagram page is at undone.thepodcast and i read all the messages i see all the posts and i appreciate the love um on today's episode as the title suggests we will be discussing body positivity representation and how that all relates to food i got my amazing friend yasmin to join me um we have been friends for about two or three years now and in that time she has had um i've had the privilege of hearing her story and have her share that with me and um i feel so honored that she felt comfortable to come and share it on this platform i feel like her experience and her journey brings a really unique take into um the topics that we'll be discussing i loved all the other topics that we discussed in the previous episode of this series but i felt like this um we had to finish on this one this we weren't quite done yet i feel like this was an important um this was an important theme to discuss and yeah i'm honored that she wanted to share that with me and so without further ado let's get into it i am so excited to be having this conversation um because as I was thinking about the series and where it had ended, I felt like I wanted to speak more on um, body positivity and that side of things, but I didn't know who to get to have that conversation or how to even begin with that conversation. And so I'm really grateful and glad to be joined by my friend Yasmin. Say hi. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. I, yeah, pretty stoked. <laughs> I'm stoked to have you. Um, before we start, I kind of want you to explain a bit of why you agreed to do this. Like, I know why I asked you, but I want you to kind of explain to the people why you agreed to do this. Um, it's been on my heart since I was diagnosed with an eating disorder that um, God would use this story in a way to speak to other people. Uh-huh. Um, and that in that way, my journey with food and my body wouldn't be in vain, that it would yeah. speak to other people and other women and other men in some ways, because definitely eating disorders aren't just class for women. Yeah. Um, but also because I feel like it's kind of time. Um, I'm probably three four years into recovery now and I'm still recovering and I think sometimes people need to speak up in recovery um not just when they've recovered yeah 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 and I thought it was a good opportunity to chat to one of my good friends who has great ideas and (laughs) and a brilliant mind and for some reason thought I'd make myself feel insecure (laughs) no no um so I guess the first question would be um how did how you saw your body and relate it to beauty standards um, and societal norms influence your relationship with food? Yeah. Okay. Good question. <laughs> Very full question. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a lot of different topics in that one question. I'll try and cover them. So um, from a young age, I was aware of my body for a number of reasons. Um, I grew up in a a family who are very beautiful, very... Um, She's beautiful too, by the way, guys. <laughs> I have a great view. Continue. I'm going to continue because that's an awkward <laughs> thing to follow up with. Um, but a very beautiful, somewhat affluent in the creative world, mm-hmm. 
um, lots of them are photographers or models or collectors or artistic on one side of my family and the other side are very smart and intellectual and really good at teaching and um, I felt like I grew up in this world where I was in the middle. I was yeah. I, loved, I loved science and and um, maths somewhat and <laughs> intellectual <laughs> side, but I also love creativity. Yeah. And I felt like I didn't fit in. Um, I was this big – I was a bit of a – um, an outcast. I felt like an outcast in my own family. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of influenced me from a young age was um, my mum, who is a dietitian as well. And I think just that, that obviously will shape how I know I knew about food younger than I yeah. did most other people. I knew about calories and food and mm-hmm. that wasn't a bad thing, but I think in some ways that really shaped how I saw food and myself. Yeah. Um, I also did a lot of sport. I was always very tall for my age. I was the tallest in the class over all the boys until grade 10. I feel you, yeah. yeah. I was always taller, like definitely taller than the girls um, and then kind of somewhere in the middle when it came to like the guys yeah. and the class and stuff. Yeah, and I think that shaped how I saw myself in space. Yeah. I felt like I took up too much space. Yeah. Um, and – at the time when I was younger, tall meant modeling yeah. for women. Yeah. Yeah. If you were abnormally tall or not abnormally tall, but tall. Yeah. I myself associated tall with modeling. Yeah. It and was I, like tall with modeling or like basketball yeah. or netball. Like those were the three categories. Like those are the three things tall women do. Yeah, that's right. And I was good at sport and I did basketball and that, but I also, because of the creative side of my family, I felt like. I could potentially aspire to be a model, not that I yeah. wanted, kind of wanted to, but didn't, but I was never thin enough in my mind that I yeah. would fit. So with feeling like I took up too much space, I felt like my body and its size took up too much space. And yeah. I think my weight then came into it. Yeah. And like looking at myself compared to other girls my age, I was like foot taller than them mm. and already wearing a size 10 or 12 when everyone else was wearing like a size six or eight. And that yeah. still continues to this day. I tend to, because of my height sometimes, but also because of my weight, um, I fit into those bigger sizes. Yeah. And that has been always a big um, insecurity of mine. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going shopping and you're picking a size eight and I'm picking a size 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, so as a, yeah. So, um, Basically, when I was in high school, probably around grade 10 to 12, I started um, having a lot of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then with that, I had what I now look back on and say is an undiagnosed eating disorder Mm -hmm. where I was eating very little, tried to eat as little as possible. um, And I did a lot of working out because I was, I did dancing and sport and stuff. Yeah. And I kept losing weight. um, And then, um, probably stayed the same. And then I started being really conscious of how small I was and how I, sorry how I was smaller than I was before and wanted to continue being in a small body. Yeah. And then after a um, complex relationship that was quite toxic, I got out of that and then gained weight again mm-hmm. um, and then kind of fell out of the way. I kind of recovered in some way but never recovered from the eating disorder. Yeah. And then um, into my second year of my degree, I started wishing for an eating disorder again because I was too big in my opinion. I took yeah. up too much space. I started being very aware of how big I was compared to how I used to be. Yeah. I felt started seeing pictures and being like, oh, my goodness, you yeah. start losing weight. So I started doing it healthily, and so I started eating less, and I started eating, in quotation marks, healthier. Um, and 
started going to the gym and started exercising more and then that basically turned into another eating disorder episode where I was actually diagnosed with anorexia nervosa mm-hmm. about a year and a half into it. Yeah. Where I was um, – I got diagnosed just after I started my placement in my fourth year of my degree. Yeah. And um, so <laughs> eating hardly anything and going on placement, trying to think the most you've ever thought in your life was not yeah. a good combination. So um, I started realising my thoughts were really toxic and that – something was going wrong and I needed to start to fix it because I was exhausted all the time. I was unwell. Um, and because I never looked like a traditional, it's hard, in what the, most people think someone with anorexia looks like, I didn't yeah. look emancipated. Yeah. There wasn't bones sticking out everywhere. No. I didn't look gaunt, but I, but that, but I still had anorexia and I really struggled with that. So I first went to a dietitian and who sent me to a GP. Um, I was on the verge of being hospitalized, but didn't get hospitalized. And then, um, started seeing a psychologist as well. I've seen psychologists most of my life from a young age anyway, Mm -hmm. and then started the journey of, um, recovery. So yeah, Yeah. that's kind of, yeah, that's the start of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of how to word this one. What was it like doing, like studying dietetics whilst having like this own battle, like this battle going on with food? Yeah. So very difficult before. So I'm a dietitian. If I didn't, I didn't say that before. So um, <laughs> I've done a degree and also an honors and I'm a dietitian currently working, but I don't work in eating disorders. Can I just say that? That's a big distinction I want to yeah. make. Um, but when I started studying dietetics, I was in my bigger size and yeah. I felt very big, <laughs> very aware because about my size, most of the other dietitians were quite slim or quite fit mm-hmm. um, or it, and I was not. Um, yeah. So <laughs> when I started having these disordered thoughts and stuff, I started learning more and more about food in my degree, obviously, yeah. and started learning more and more about the effect on food on your body. And I think that did feed into it somewhat and in, into heightening my awareness of food, my body, my body image, things like that. Yeah. But it wasn't until my third year where I started to learn about how food affects clinical look conditions or um, how it can improve people's health in terms yeah. of in hospital settings, yeah. not just in the community with the traditional people just think dietitians weight loss, um, yeah. but how we can help people who are actually really sick in hospital or in the community to be able to gain health yeah. in conjunction with the whole team. And I think that's where I started to fall in love with dietetics because I didn't want to become a dietitian. God told me to become a dietitian and I went, uh, yeah, okay. nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be like my mom. Um, but I really felt when I started learning those things that, yeah. And then I, then I kind of separated myself from the world of dietetics. I was like, I have my own rules for my own body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I look better slim or skinny as I used to call it or thin. Mm-hmm. I look better. I would look better emancipated. I would look better in the smallest possible frame, yeah. but everyone else except for me should be healthy. Yeah. Everyone else looks beautiful at their natural size. Yeah. Everyone else looks better <laughs> when they're healthy and they're doing, you know, when they're well and enjoying yeah. a balanced life. Yeah. But me, oh no. Like that doesn't apply to me. No, that doesn't apply to me. And that's yeah. that eating disorder mindset and, and conversation. And it really excluded me from the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, and I'd had conversations with people like about 
you know, they, people always talk to me about their weight because they think dietitian weight. And I'd be like, no, you don't need to change. Like, yeah. Yes, you can make healthy choices, but you don't have to focus on weight, you know? Yeah. And, and then in the same instance, I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Are you that? <laughs> but everything was different for me. So I had different yeah. rules. Um, I don't know if that really answered your question. But anyway. No, yeah, it did. Okay. Um, I was going to say, how would you break down the different external influences in terms of what you thought your body should look like at the different stages, yep. um, including where you're at now? Okay with that yeah so when I was younger definitely influenced by magazines and because I really liked fashion yeah and at that time early 2000s the general what everyone wanted to be was very thin yeah and if you know big boobed was another kind of thing that you wanted to be but, but that was like a different yeah, end of the spectrum it, it was, was like you either want to be thin or you can do the big boobs yeah that's right and then that like that that's was it. it but you couldn't like you didn't want to be too toned. You just wanted to look naturally. Like I didn't try for this body. No, that's right. Yeah. And so I was very aware of that side from a fashion point of view. Yeah. And that was all over the TV and the media and that. And mm-hmm. so that definitely influenced me at a younger age. And my family role models as well, who usually fit into that category as well. Yeah. When I when I went to art school, so I did a year of visual arts before I did dietetics, there was lots of, ex, um, again, it's bad to say it, but the starving artist look. Um, yeah. <laughs> most artists I knew like in the media, but also in my degree, were quite thin, um, always dressed really eccentrically. So yeah. I felt like I had to fit into that again. Quite thin, dressing eccentrically, fitting into that kind of vibe of, yeah. I'm an artist. This is a, don't I look mystical? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then um, in dietetics, and then that was starting to be in like 2010, 2013, I think, area, where you didn't just want to be thin now, you wanted to be thin and toned. Yeah. And like the whole fit is healthy. Or yeah. Fit, um, fit is the new slim or what? I don't know what the slogan I've was. I've never heard of it. <laughs> slogan, it's like fit is the new skinny or something. Oh, okay. But then also like the Kardashians coming in and starting to change or like people like in the media, the musicians starting to come in with bigger bodies, but more voluptuous curves yeah. in the right places. Yeah. So, you know, you're permitted to have curves with your boobs and your butt and mm-hmm. your, but like you had to have a tiny, yeah. yeah, but you had to have a tiny waist still. Yeah. And good Lord, if you had cellulite. Yeah. And you know, so it started to become that duality of bringing in, yes, it's acceptable for some people to have bigger bodies, but only mm. if you had it in the right place. Was this around the time that they started selling waist trainers? Did you ever see yeah, this? Probably. Oh, oh, don't forget the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and because lots of my fellow colleagues in my dietetics degree were fit. Yeah. I was like, oh, so I've got to be thin and fit. But having curves is okay. Like, but, like, only in the right places. Yeah. So, like, uh. Yeah. So, I felt a lot of pressure in that way. And, and it, it was like, looking back on it now, I thought about this today, that bodies have become a fad or bodies yeah. have become a trend. All throughout history, mm-hmm. there's a certain body shape that's the trend. And it would be yeah. in different countries too. Yeah. Um, and different nationalities. There's a certain body type that's to be attained. And yeah. our bodies shouldn't be a trend. Yeah, yeah. They're our homes. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. They're, our, they're, they're what we look like. We're gen- our shape and our body is determined by genetics, by 
lots of it is genetics, yeah. how we move. Yeah. I mean, if you and I ate the same thing and exercised the same way, we would not look the same. No. For so many different reasons. And anyway, yeah, trendy, trendy. So that, that kind of affected it when I was in the middle of my eating disorder was, oh, I need to lose weight, but I still have to look fit. And like, I've tried for like, you know, like I just yeah. didn't do this magically anymore. And then recently in my recovery years, I've actually been um, more intentional about who I follow and unfollow on Instagram and yeah. Facebook and that. And I've intentionally started to follow, which was really hard at the start, to follow people who challenge my mindset. Yeah. So following people who are speaking out about body positivity, yeah. body acceptance, um, who have recovered from disordered eating or eating disorders or um, disordered exercise, things like that. Mm-hmm who are happy or are learning to be happy in their body and finding a balance that's for them. Yep. Um, and health at their size or health at their, where they are in their life. Yeah. And I, it's really, even now today, like lots of the things they bring up, I'm very challenged by it, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize that my thoughts about myself were very disordered Yeah. and that still clouded how I saw everyone else. Yeah. And so it's been a real journey in, continuing to heal myself and continuing to see other people. And I guess it comes into also like with the Christian faith as well. One thing I could never get my head around was God made me as I am. God yeah. made me together in my mother's womb. That verse like, still is, you're like, <laughs> I know. That, that verse has still not hit me. Like I know it needs to. Yeah. Like I probably still haven't had that deep, deep heart revelation. Yeah. And Cause I'd roll my eyes out. I'd be like, yeah, everyone else is like that, but God, yeah. why the hell heck did you make me like me? Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess it like that, I guess that body, body positivity or whatever, we're all different and mm-hmm. God's made us different. Yeah. We're different for a reason. We can't just fit into this cookie, it's, you know, cliche cookie cutter. Yeah. Like person. But yeah, so I guess that, that being more intentional about what I see. Yeah. And I think as well in the last probably five years, it's become like probably in the last even two, three years, there's been more emphasis on the media and people trying to push that we need to see inclusivity. Yeah. On our yeah. Not just weight wise, but culturally inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, in terms of able bodiedness. Able bodiedness. Yeah. yeah. All these different things. And I think that started to help retrain thoughts. Yeah. And I think that's really good. And, and I know that I'm white. I know that I'm in a smaller body and I know that I'm privileged mm-hmm. and it's hard to speak on, but like, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone else. When I'm talking, I'm talking on behalf of me, but being more aware of that myself and going, Hmm, I really need to reframe how I see the world. Yeah. Because how I see it is very different to how lots of other people see it. Yeah. Um, do you know the musician, is it Lizzo? Yeah, Lizzo. Yeah. Okay. So I was watching some of her videos this morning because Martha and I were having a conversation about this yesterday and she said this really great thing, um, in one of her interviews where someone asked, oh, the interview was something along the lines of, oh, how is the whole body positivity um, working as part of your brand or whatever? And she was like, the only reason it's so successful is because it's not a brand. It's who I am. And um, it's such a pity that in the day and age that we live in, that we see everything as a marketing technique. And I was like, that's really good. Yes. Um, Because this kind of links to what we were speaking about. When I think of her, this kind of links to what we're speaking about in terms of um, healthy and fit doesn't need to look 
one size mm. because for her she exercises and I like from what I've seen it looks like she has a pretty healthy relationship with food but she's just not in a tinier body mm. um and then Martha was like when she watches her videos and performances um she was like, there is no way she'd be able to sing and give as much energy mm. as she does if she wasn't living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. But people come at her for like promoting a bigger body, which is like, what yeah. do you want her pro- to promote? That's what she is. And she's living it healthily. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit strange. And I know that there are some, like some people think, you know, it, it's just that idea that being skinny means you're healthy. And that is yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, in lots of different ways. There are people who are in smaller bodies genetically or for other reasons that are not healthy because they're not eating well. They're eating a lot of other stuff. Like they're all they're restricting food yeah. or they're just naturally. It's like I know a lot of people who are naturally small. Yeah. They don't try for it. Yeah. That's just who they are. And I don't think we need to be putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think we should be shaming them for being thin. Like I don't – Yeah. Like again, I know some people who have – who are in very small bodies or smaller bodies and go, people always ask if I'm all right, if I'm anorexic, if I have problems with food. And I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm just – I'm not. Smaller. I'm smaller. Yeah. And so I don't – it's that weird – it's that weird thing with body positivity as well, like, yeah. oh, if you're smaller. Like, be small but not too small because now we're worried. Like, is yeah. everything okay? Like, yeah. be curvy but, like, not too curvy. you got to have it all in the right spots. And yeah. it's like, where do people sit and all of this? Yeah. Um, I felt like that discussion kind of leads perfectly into this one, which is this can be from like a professional point of view or a personal point of view, but how do you feel about, um, all the fads and like the new tips and tricks that are pushed by the health and wellness industry? Um, I feel very strongly about all of this more so from a professional um, point of view. As I said, I'm not an eating disorder dietitian. That's quite a specialist field. Um, I do general health and wellness, but yeah. in, in general, but I don't, um, I mainly work in a clinical setting where it's more unwell people needing advice um, when they're really unwell in hospital. It's, it's a bit of a difference. Um, so whatever I say, just remember I'm not a dating disorder <laughs> and I don't claim to be and I don't want to be. Um, but fads really annoy me. <laughs> um, one day it'll be celery juice. The next day it'll be apple cider vinegar. The next day it'll be lollipops that claim to make you lose weight. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's our weight and our image has become, like Liz, I said, marketable. Yeah. Um, and I mean, everything is marketable in this day and age, and it always has been. You know, dieting is and, and weight te- te- techniques to lose weight or look more the shape of the trend mm-hmm. has always been through magazines throughout time. time yeah and um like i mean they use corsets to make themselves smaller and stuff mm. but i mean um they came back as weight trainers yeah <laughs> they back as weight trainers. but what makes me angry is people who are not professionals or not trained giving advice which can be harmful yeah and i say that because not only firsthand have i seen problems but i've seen that through other people um, and talked with other dietitians and other professionals about it. And you're buying, often buying things that just make you have expensive wee. 
like yeah. um, certain <laughs> vitamins and minerals that can't be absorbed by the body and you excrete it if you don't need more. Uh, you're just yeah. paying for expensive urine. Yeah. Um, or you're just paying for expensive something that may actually interact with your medications that you're taking. Yeah. And I was thinking of the – was it the skinny meaty? Oh, yeah. And that was just like a glorified laxative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and what annoys me is when people advertise these things when they're clearly not using them. And yes. the media takes advantage of people who work out a lot or are naturally thin or are naturally mm-hmm. whatever. And they go, hey, advertise my product mm-hmm. that you don't use and say you've used it to lose weight. Things like before and after photos, claiming mm-hmm. they've used things, there's probably just changing the light or suck your stomach in or yeah. change the angle or used a, a retouching program. Mm. It's just false. And I get angry because you're actually putting people's health on the line. Yeah. It's not just about your product or you making money, whatever, but you're actually putting people's health at risk and they're feeding into the industry of skinny, smaller, thinner mm-hmm. is better. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, and I think they need to be regulated. Um, mm-hmm. But that's policy development thing. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> that's a whole, a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but I, I do find it frustrating, even just like non-professionals or non-people, people who don't have the degrees or the qualifications to talk about things, talking out of their scope. Yeah. And that can harm people. So please stay in your lane. But I feel like with the way um, marketing has moved to social media, oh, yeah. It's people don't fact check anymore. Like you just assume this person with a hundred thousand followers sponsored by whatever company. Yeah. yeah, This must be factual, obviously, because look how many people follow them and look at who's sponsoring them. Yeah. We've lost our ability to rationally and analytically think about what we see because we just bombarded by it. Yeah. And I, I know I spend too much time on social media and I've cut down. Yeah. We just, we just believe everything. We're so gullible. We're so gullible. Um, but I do think what is a positive thing that Instagram has put in is that you have to say if you're sponsored or not. Yeah. And I think that's good because it means that you kind of, or when I see it, I'm like, oh, okay, I better just be careful about how much of this I believe. Yeah. Which I think is good. But yeah. there's still things like filters and um, retouching programs yeah. that we don't know about. Yeah. And, and we just automatically think. And compare. I think that's the big thing we start to compare. Yeah. Or I did. I do. And I did. Oh. I think we all do to an extent. Whether you have an awareness of it or not. Mm. There's something else I wanted to touch on. Oh, long term. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit on like how restrictive or um, what you call it? What's the other one? Where you cut stuff out. Oh, it's still restricted. It's all still restricted. Yeah. Yeah. How that looks in terms of your body so generally restriction is not a good thing because you're restricting things your body needs at the end of the day our body needs a mixture of macronutrients so things like carbohydrates proteins and fats Mm -hmm. and fiber and micronutrients so that's like your vitamins minerals antioxidants and other things um, we get from foods and anytime you start to restrict whole food groups things like cutting out carbs or cutting out grains and cereals or cutting out meats and meat alternatives without replacing them with the 
alternatives that have the right kind of protein mix mm-hmm. or understanding how protein um, amino acids and things work or anytime you're cutting out dairy or things like that that can affect your whole body and that can affect what your body's getting in terms of nutrition mm. our body needs nutrition to survive and thrive it's yeah. fuel it's like fueling up your car we need a mix and a variety of macro and micronutrients to survive mm. as soon as you start restricting foods whether they be by food groups or whether um, whether they be by calorie restrictions or volume restrictions or whatever you can and not in all cases you can start to get deficient in things so and and things like tiredness fatigue dramatic weight loss muscle loss problems with vision problems with thinking problems with being able to move around and, and mm. be, live a normal life can happen. Yeah. Um, so you can see that in terms of any, any like eating disorders. You can have lots of those issues. You can get micronutrient deficiencies. You can get um, very fatigued. You can have mood changes. You can um, be hangry, which is just a general thing that I suffer with 24-7. <laughs> um, but you can have actual – your body's depleted in something, so it needs to mm. compromise. Yeah. And it compromises your health and well-being. Um, the, in terms of fad diets and that, I mean, there is a place for certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you can't manipulate your diet or change your diet around to mm-hmm. make you or help you be healthier. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm also saying when you completely restrict certain things. And so there are lots of different examples of medical diets and the re- and and that's where my kind of specialty comes into play mm-hmm. where you have specific medical diets for specific medical conditions and they need to manipulate or we need to manipulate their dietary intake mm-hmm. to help them heal. actually survive <laughs> heal thrive yeah. and not require other medications things like that so for example if you're on hemodialysis which is um when your kidneys fail and you need to be on a machine to clear your blood from the toxins that our kidneys usually excrete sometimes there is dietary manipulation of that because your kidneys aren't working properly or they're yeah. not working really at all so the things that our, our kidneys would normally do and normally filter um, sometimes they come from our diet, so we need to manipulate that or mm-hmm. change that. But that's not just willy-nilly. That's yeah. like under the direct care of a doctor, a dietitian, a team. Mm-hmm. Um, same with cardiovascular disease in certain areas or, um, yeah. So there's, there's medical diets, I guess you can call it. And then yeah. there's just general healthiness. Yeah. I think when we're looking at general healthy, it's a balance. It's that classic thing dietitians say about moderation. Yeah. Um, but it's not it doesn't mean you have to cut things out. Yeah. Because often when we restrict or cut things out, we want it more. Yeah. So have you ever been like, I'm never gonna eat sugar ever again? Cut out everything and then the next second you're like, Oh my goodness, that chocolate bar looks amazing. Yeah. All I can think about is sugar. <laughs> exactly. And it's because our mindsets become so restrictive. Like yeah. we can't eat this. It's like don't think of an elephant, you think of an elephant. Yeah, like oh. yeah. yeah. And that's where um <laughs> mindful eating and um being aware of I was gonna say intuitive eating or something but yeah thank you intuitive eating comes into it and I think has a big play but it's we don't talk about that much in society yeah and I think that's where for general healthy populations and even um when we're talking about that medical diet does come into but intuitive eating I think is a really important thing to learn and it's very hard to learn and very hard to unlearn the way we were brought up to yeah 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 no I I feel like that was a very hard and weird explanation 
but it, no, and it's hard that. not to go into specifics, but yeah. generally, and I'm not talking about like vegetarian and that way and vegan where you choose that normally from a moral point of view, sometimes from a health point of view as well. Yeah. Um, but if you are doing those, I highly recommend seeing a professional um, to help you get the range of micronutrients and macronutrients yeah. you need to continue to live, live that lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. 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 Um, what are some signs of disordered eating? Okay. Or eating thoughts yeah and i um, i'm glad you asked that question because i think sometimes we think of eating disorders we just think oh they've lost a lot of weight really quickly and it doesn't always have to look like that so i'm taking this information um from the butterfly foundation um which is um a foundation around disordered eating and eating disorders so i'm just taking this straight off the internet (laughs) so um they have a lot of resources there if you yourself are finding that you're you know triggered by this or feeling like you might have some disordered eating or eating disorder behavior um or you're concerned about a friend they've got a lot of information available um so highly recommend going on there you can also call them on 1-800-33-4673 if you would like to talk you can talk online or email just giving them a good plug but yeah um, i was like i love it yeah but it's really important um so some um some things oh i'm I'm on the wrong page isn't that lovely (laughs) (laughs) classic yasmin here we go so it's it's about the concern about someone you know page and so some behavioral signs are dieting behaviors such as fasting counting calories avoiding food groups um, evidence of binge eating, so vomiting after food or going to the toilet after food, you're noticing that with people you know, or hoarding food is another one. Using laxatives um, mm. or excessive use of laxative or excessive um, use of exercise patterns or obsessive exercise patterns, so not being able to skip a day at the gym or not being able to skip a day walking, yeah. being very obsessive or um, o- overly exercising until you're absolutely fatigued. Um Changes in food preferences, including like refusing to eat certain foods like bad foods or fatty foods or carbs, Mm. cutting out whole groups such as like I was talking about meat or dairy, claiming to dislike foods previously enjoyed. Mm. I know I did that a lot. Um, And a sudden concern with healthy eating or things like replacing meals with only fluids. Yeah. Um, Could be rigid patterns around foods. Avoidance of eating meals in a social setting. That's a one, again, I really resonate with. I would never go out with friends if there was food involved. And I trust me, when you have an eating disorder in church, there's always food at church. (laughs) There is food at every event. (laughs) Um, Lying about the type of food you've eaten or amount of food you've eaten. Social withdrawal um, and avoidance of previously enjoyed activities. Some physical warning signs, weight fluctuations. So that doesn't always mean weight loss. It can be weight Mm -hmm. loss, weight gain. Um, Sensitivity to the cold, even in warm temperatures. Mm, Changes to menstrual patterns. So in women, um, not menstruating or having a long period between menstruation. Um, Damage to your teeth from vomiting. Mm -hmm. You can also damage your esophagus, um, your your food pipe for that too. Fainting. And some psychological warning signs. um, Preoccupied with the food, your body shape, Mm -hmm. your weight. 
um, extreme body dissatisfaction, distorted body image, heightened anxiety around meal times or around yeah. food, depression, anxiety, irritability, low self-esteem, and really rigid black and white thinking around food. So things yeah. like good or bad foods, healthy or unhealthy foods. Mm. So they're kind of some things to look out for in you know, eating disorders are often unnoticed and yeah. they often unnoticed for lots of different reasons. Um, people don't often talk about the fact that they've got problems with food because they're not aware yeah. of it or their body or, or um, restriction in that. But also it goes unnoticed because often we just think eating disorders are for people who are just losing weight really quickly and then yeah. really, really skinny. Yeah. You can be at any age, any size, any color anything and you can have an eating disorder you can be you have an eating disorder when you're, you're at your biggest or at your smallest it doesn't matter and i think we often don't see that because yeah. we say oh you're losing weight when you're bigger mostly society says that's a good thing you're healthy yeah look you're, at you go kicking goals yeah that's right oh look at you go how are you losing that weight you know mm. all that kind of stuff and i think just on touch it's just not all right to comment on someone's weight please don't comment on someone's weight. You mm. don't know what they're going through. Mm. You wouldn't want someone to comment on if you were gaining weight. It's probably not always the best to comment on someone mm. when they're losing weight either. Mm. Um, just don't. Unless, I mean, there is always exceptions to the rule. And, you know, if you're really good friends with them or your family yeah. or something and you're concerned or, if, you know, you know why they're trying to do it. Yeah. Or, you know, they're trying to be healthy or whatever. But just don't comment on weight. Yeah. You have so many other – it's like don't comment on beauty or appearance. It's mm. like – Look at look at something else. Yeah, <laughs> let's please comment. find something else next. Yeah, time. that's right. Like, let's comment on how you're becoming smarter, or you're glowing, or you're you know a nice person, or you've really yeah. uplifted me today, or your presence makes me feel great. Like, mm. let's try and use something else. And oh, you look great, and your butt looks good in that, and you yeah. look skinny as heck. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. And I do it still too, and I have to pull myself up because yeah. I'm like, I, I I'm learning to change my language and my mindset. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we need to start pulling ourselves up and pulling each other up and go, let's just not talk about my weight. Yeah. It's not okay. really a thing we need to discuss. <laughs> I'm more than my weight. Yeah, exactly. I'm so much more than my weight. And I feel like we give a lot of um, – this is going to sound um, – but I feel like we give a lot of weight to our bodies mm. in the sense that um, even, like, big things like how we dress, like, mm. I feel like a lot of people – get really insecure even about how they dress mm. as well mm. and i'm just like you don't have to feel like you have to dress a certain way or be edgy or cool or do whatever everyone mm. else is doing if you genuinely are not the kind of person who cares about fashion like that yeah. that is okay like there is, shouldn't be this pressure to look or dress a certain way same with like the whole like body image it's like <laughs> yes <laughs> there are other things in conclusion yeah um before there's a question i want to ask before the final one okay. which is so prior to this um yasmin showed me some stuff that she had written um at different it was at different stages of your recovery yeah. um how does looking back on the things that you wrote affect where you want to go now because you identify as still recovering yeah. and like how does that help you in your headspace now yeah so I definitely think I've recovered from an eating disorder I feel yeah. like I'm recovering now from disordered eating 
Yeah. Um, which Ooh. is a bit different. Yeah. Um, and I probably labeled myself that. I don't know whether my health professionals label me that, but I'm not, I don't think I'm at my critical stage of my eating disorder anymore. I'm yeah. now improving my relationship with food and my, my disordered eating patterns. Um, but yeah, looking back on, I, uh, I've written a lot in journals. I used to journal a lot more than I do now. And cause it was a way of getting out my head. Yeah. Getting out of my head. Um, but looking back now, you, I see how far I've come. Um, and realized that even though I feel like I haven't worked super hard on it, I can see the improvements I've made. And that's not just through therapy and dietetics input and, um, uh, like improving my relationship with food that's also god just, just his healing power mm. and i think um looking back makes me realize that lots of people don't talk as i said at the start lots of people don't talk about when they're in recovery or they're recovering um and when i was first recovering i was like oh i need to find someone with the exact same story as me yeah it's like the exact same size as me and i found that i was just like wanting that human connection with someone else that's in the same space. And yeah. I found that most people just talk about when they've recovered, probably because it's just easier because you're not – it's, like, hard to go, I am vulnerable yeah, and this is where I am and I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, so looking forward, um, God's given me a promise that um, – so eating disorders are kind of hereditary in my family and that's another thing. Um, it can be quite – it can be genetic – mm. related. But um, God gave me a promise that my children won't have this. Mm. And so – I don't plan on having children anytime soon, just clarifying that for the people in the crowd who know me. Um, <laughs> I'm not pregnant. Um, that I don't want anyone to go through this. I don't mm. want my children to go through this. I don't want my family to go through this. I don't want friends, anyone. And so um, that's kind of given me a bit of a kick in the butt to keep going. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to be a mum who looks in the mirror and goes, I'm fat or mm. – I don't want to wear this because look at my stomach in this or, oh, my love handles or, oh, my yeah. thighs. Because I don't want my kids to see that. And I know how I talk to myself and I know that it comes out. Yeah. Um, and I don't want my kids or people to see that. Yeah. And I don't want them just to it, to be hidden. I want it to be got, not there. Yeah. Um, but also because when I was – when I was – not eating well and when I was restricting and when I wasn't eating for my body, I couldn't function. Yeah. I would sit and have coffee with someone and I'd be having a really deep and meaningful conversation and I could be present, but at the same time I was thinking, how is my stomach looking? I think it's folding over my pants. Oh, my goodness, people are going to see this. Oh, my goodness, wow. Um, I don't want to eat that cake. That cake looks really yummy. Oh, my goodness, but it's got too much sugar in it. I know how many calories are in it. I think I'm going to freak out. But I'm, I'm having this deep and meaningful conversation with someone and yeah. I'm not present. Yeah. And I'm that's not helpful for them. Yeah. That's not helpful for me. Um, and that would go – like I would have this inner dialogue constantly and it affected the way I did church. It affected the way my relationship with God looked. It affected my relationship with my friends. It affected the fact that I couldn't go out and enjoy a birthday dinner with friends Yeah, because all I could think about was not eating or choosing the right thing on the menu that would satisfy people's opinion of what a dietitian should eat and then also the yeah. opinion of what I should eat. Yeah. Um, and I missed so much in those years. Yeah. 
And I probably didn't learn as much. My university definitely suffered. I didn't get the grades I could because I didn't have the mental capacity to actually think. Yeah. Um, so I think looking forward, it's like, well, I've got more in my life and God has more in store for me. And I'm more, I've got more to give than being obsessed with food and yeah. being obsessed with my body. Um, I need to get to a healthy, balanced relationship with myself. Not that I'm neglecting myself or not that I'm constantly beating myself up, but where I'm at a healthy point where I'm, where I find myself being healthy and balanced mm-hmm. so that I can do my job so that I can help people so that mm-hmm. I can be a good wife and a good mother and a good dog mum and <laughs> I love that. Yes. Um, be able to travel and not be afraid of eating. Yeah. You know, like oh, all these things that we, we miss out on. Yeah. And I think for me, that's my biggest drive is, I've got more to give mm-hmm. and God's got more in store for me. Um, and I don't want my weight to be the thing that means that I'm eligible for that yeah. life. Yeah. That was so powerful. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> um, you made a really good distinction there where you were like, you want it to not be there. Not that it's hidden from mm-hmm. your children, but you just want it to not be there. And um, I thought that was really powerful. And also, how did you get to that place where you're like, I don't even want to just hide this. Yeah. I want it to be completely like free from it. I think it actually came with being married. So I've been married for about a year and a half now. And when you live with a housemate, it's different to living with someone you love. Mm. And I've noticed things that I would do when I was just living with someone in the house that is different to what I do now with my husband. Like he loves cookies and things that I would never have in the house, like ice cream, Mm. like good Lord, if I had ice cream in the house five years ago, I wouldn't be able to stop eating it. Um, So, um, and and I think I realized how disordered my thoughts were because it was like, Oh, we can't buy ice cream. Yeah. And, and, and then like we, we, you know, we do obviously, but um, um, (laughs) Luke would probably kill me if we didn't have ice cream. But uh, I found myself hiding my thoughts. Yeah, and then that would it would still come out. Like it would yeah. st- it would probably burst out of me more than it used to because mm-hmm. I had to hide it so much more. Because you know they can see, they can mm-hmm. tell, and I think it just made me realize you can hide. Like I used to hide behind a mask a lot, and you could hide. But when people love you, mm-hmm. they often can see. Yeah, and I didn't want and and it's been a big thing. Like I don't want to hide from my husband. Like I don't want to hide my insecurities. And I don't want, mm-hmm. but I, I but I can't just not hide it. I need to recover from it. Yeah, there's no point in just live continue to living it. I need yeah. to recover. So I think that's where it kind of it kind of stemmed from. Last one. Um, why is representation so important for you when it comes to media and fashion? Yeah. In terms of like body image. Yeah. And, yeah. I think because, and not just me, like, as I said, with being more open and reading more into it and that I'm, I'm the majority. I'm white. Mm. I'm the majority in Australia anyway, and in mm. most of the world. And if I find that I'm not represented as a white female in my body, mm. how must other people feel in other countries, other races, other, you know, people who are not in able bodies, people Mm. who are in larger bodies, people Mm. who are, you know, um, have disabilities that we might not be able to see, like mental handicap, things like that. Mm. Why aren't we just representing people? Yeah, like the human race. Why don't we – why do we cherry pick 
what we see is the best of the bunch to yeah. represent and present it on TV or on society. Like why, yeah. why we're such a diverse, beautiful people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I, I, you'd probably be able to speak more into this than I would, but yeah, I think, I think representation of size, of color, of ability is important because then we feel we can feel more seen and we're not yeah. feeling like we're alone. Yeah. I think it's just important in general and I think it's got to – I mean, there's been so much about this recently. We just yeah. need to fix it. Yeah. And we need to own that – like I, I've owned that, yes, I've got to make changes. Mm-hmm. And in my world and understanding and my worldview in that um, – but we as a people just need to get our act together. Yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> point period blank like, yeah I feel like you probably would be able to speak more into that than I would I think for me representation comes from restructuring what we think is normal because and this is a big thing in terms of like I'm sure you would have noticed this in your marriage and that what you grew up with is normal in the mm. house and what Luke would have grown up grown up with as normal in the house are two different things but you're like wait what yeah like that's not normal for you guys like, yeah, what yeah. do you mean and it's gonna be like something as dumb as like I don't know which direction the hangers face in the water yeah like just little things like that where it's like no this is the normal way to do yeah, it yeah. no this is the normal way to do it and it's like how can there be a normal way to put hangers in a wardrobe yeah. kind of thing? <laughs> and so it's the same with representation is that I think you grow up thinking depending on what images you see a certain type or a certain body image or a certain skin color, a certain type of hair, that kind of thing is what's normal. And so then you're trying your best to attain normal because no one wants to be abnormal. No one wants to be out of the circle. We all want to be accepted and fit in. And so you're trying your hardest to achieve this level of normal that just cannot be achieved like you Mm. cannot I remember I used to chemically straighten my hair back in the day which I feel like a lot of black people may (laughs) have a testimony about because it's only in the last 10 years that the natural hair community Mm. has grown Mm. and now you've got your YouTube videos on wash day and (laughs) people yeah like people are getting more educated on this but like back in the day it was like okay we're gonna slap some relaxer on your hair let it burn your scalp, wash it out, and you've got straight hair and we're good to go. Yeah. And I used to be like, okay, my hair's straight, so obviously now I'm like everyone else, and you try and do the hairstyles, and I cringe <laughs> at the hairstyles I did, trying to copy my friends, because I was like, oh, this is what normal hair does. And even then they were like, yeah. it still wasn't normal, because yeah. like, especially for hair like mine, you have to like moisturize it. Yeah. And so they're like, why is your hair oily? I'm like, no, no, it's not oily. Like, girl, you got to moisturize yeah. the scalp. Yeah. And so it's like, you just, yeah, yes, this is why I believe representation is important. Because yeah. it's changing everyone's normal and realizing there's no really such thing as normal. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean yeah. in the context of humans? Like, yeah. No. Yes, that's perfect. I, I couldn't have said it any better. We should have just cut out my section and put it yours. <laughs> no, I love you. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, well, this is it. Oh, I think we're done. Thanks yeah. so much, Kutsai. Thank you for coming on. I loved what you said. Feeling incredibly privileged, but thank you so much. Thank you.